0: Well, Brandon, we've been going at it for a while and decided to turn the video recorder on. And I guess we can talk about it in the sense of how to establish and maintain an easygoing practice so that we don't go off into the ditch with it, which happens almost every time.
1: And what do you mean by go off in the ditch? By oh, oh, overdoing oh, okay. or underdoing? Either yeah. way. Either, Either way. way.
0: Yeah. Either way. Too oh, far I to know. the left, you're in the ditch. Too far to the right, you're in the right. ditch. Exactly. The middle path. Okay. The middle path yeah. in this sense is to stay in your lane rather than stalling traffic. <laughs> and so. Uh, Yeah, there's kind of a middle path idea about it, that a lot of students burn themselves out because they're working too hard with the idea of I'm in a hurry to get enlightened. Mm -hmm. And we should think instead to be kind of grateful to be able to right now relax.
1: yeah, I'm not in too much of a hurry to become a concept <laughs> <laughs>
2: well,
1: anymore
0: <laughs> at least <laughs> in in the early life, I know where it happened. I know how it happened. I knew the events and all kinds of things, and that my primary life's uh, way of doing was to be in a hurry trying to catch up, yeah, and not and not making it. And one of the things that happened just as an example of that recently was that I ran across a video on YouTube that just happened to have said this is the uh, this is excerpts from ten of the most difficult piano pieces. That have ever been made. They did things like the revolutionary Ertude and the third movement of Beethoven's um, uh, Moonlight Sonata and The thing of it was is is that I had not only known each one of those, but had played it up until the last three, which I had never heard of, which I would expect that I had never heard of the most difficult pieces, where in fact, I had actually practiced and tried to play seven, the first top seven out of 10 top 10 most difficult piano pieces in the world. Hmm. And And I felt like a failure. Oh, really? Yes, because I wasn't able to play the most difficult music and I was nowhere near ready to play the most difficult music. I needed to play music that I could play. I could have developed a repertoire of two or 300 pieces that I could have played beautifully. But I didn't. I became bad at the very, very top best piano music in the world. What a tragedy! But I have to look back on that from you know from the age of seventy six or seventy seven all the way back to how I was when I was twenty years old, Mm -hmm. actually even younger than that. That's very interesting. But that but that was the world that I lived in of classical music in rural South Carolina. That's you know (laughs) they didn't hear anything that happened in the last hundred years. (laughs) <laughs> yes, um, and so uh, that was the whole point about the the, the classics and, and whatnot, that that was the world that I lived in, but I still chose the very top pieces, personally anyway, because I was competing with all of the best students in whatever town that I was in. Yeah, rather than making friends with them and congratulating them for playing music that I couldn't play.
2: I couldn't do that.
0: Yeah. All right. So this is how we live our lives. though. in many, many ways is that we set our own standards too high and then we fail at that standard. And that's Mm -hmm. one of the ways that people practice meditation is they set standards for themselves too high and then they fail at it. And one of the standards that we just heard recently is all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And when he thought I can't do this all the time, which nobody asked him to do it all the time. He knew in fact that he would fail if he gave himself the goal of doing it all the time, which is just another unwholesome thought. I can't do this all the time. And no one's asked you to, that's the standard that we set for ourselves. But that all that business of all the time comes from our society. Our society teaches that all the time stuff went back. A child would naturally just be here now instead of all the time. Yeah. So all the time is a concept, but we've been stuck with it. Why wow. have we've been stuck with that concept of all the time. And so that's the key ingredient then, back to how to gain, uh, gain the momentum to keep being in the here now over and over again, and make it easy peasy to just remember to intentionally come back into the here now and drop all of those thoughts. And so we have little nubala moments, intentional little nabala moments, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 times a day because it's very easy if we can remember just to stop and take one deep breath and go back into it. So that's one of the ways to focus. Another one is, uh, is to start really closely paying attention to what we're doing. Now, I don't mean all the time. I mean, when you're actually doing something, then pay attention to what you're doing. Yeah. That's actually in the Bible when it says that whatever thy hands find it to do, do it with all thy strength, all thy might, and all thy mind, okay? Which means to pay attention to what you're doing. Mm-hmm. In this case, also pay attention to what the hands are doing rather than paying only attention to what the hands are doing. In other words, you take the focus off of the object that the hands are manipulating onto the hands as they're manipulating the object so that you're into the sensory awareness of your hands. And I do not know anything that feels quite as good as the hands touching each other. Just rubbing. It, it's just all oh, what a marvelous feeling that is that hands have that capability. Ten little, hundreds of millions of little neurons of touch sensory things. Mm-hmm. And I began to understand that when I was a teenager, working on motorcycles and cars, putting in bolts into places you couldn't see. You can get your hand up in there, but you can't see it. And so you have to be able to see with your fingers.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Anybody who's worked on cars like that, up on their back, uh, putting bolts in and taking them out and using wrenches and all of that kind of stuff, can't see anything so you're doing. Mm-hmm. You
1: have to feel your way through it. Reminds me of uh, changing a headlight one time in a Volkswagen I had. You could barely fit your fingers in there. And I have pretty thin fingers, too. And it was it was interesting to try to do that without being able to see it whatsoever.
2: hmm
1: hmm
0: Okay. So, <clears throat> that was actually marvelous that we could do that then. But we were more interested in the marvel of getting the headlight back together than they were of actually the art of being able yeah. to do that.
1: Yeah, wanted the result.
0: mm -hmm. So now we're going to stop being so result-oriented and start being the process-oriented of what the fingers feel like when we're touching things. To bring sensory awareness in. The Buddha actually has this in the Sutta number 10 on, ha-ha, the Satipatthana Sutta about how to be experienced the body. This is step three of Anapanasati is begin to experience the body, not while we're sitting, you know, flat butted on the floor, on the hard floor with a cushion, but rather, as we're living our lives, we begin to pay attention to things that we're doing with our hands in the here now, rather than having the hands themselves on automatic pilot. But in mm-hmm. fact, that's when a, a, a chef or a cook will cut themselves <clears throat> is when they're not watching what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, how ridiculous is that for us to begin to understand this, is that if we start watching what we're doing, we're going to be very safe as well as if we really watch what our hands are doing, we're going to be doing things very wakefully.
1: That reminds me of, I think, something I heard about electricians. That it wasn't the most dangerous to be a new electrician because they're scared and they're paying attention. Uh-huh. Where a lot of the or maybe from what I remember, most of the serious problems came where people had been doing this forever and they got so lax with it because it was so second nature to them that they zapped themselves because they mm-hmm. weren't paying attention because they didn't need to pay attention anymore.
0: It because felt their hands were on automatic pilot now yeah yeah and what a jolt to find out <laughs> yeah that's a way to wake up real quick uh-huh. right uh-huh. <laughs> well it's safer in in america than it is in uh, asia because here the jolt is 220 volts yeah twice as much as the 110 to 120 in the States.
1: Yeah, I remember I had to buy a certain adapter uh, when I went to stay in China with a friend. Um,
0: It was quite different. Uh, So um, most modern electronics, by the way, have a, a, a switching power supply So it doesn't matter what the input voltage is. It'll take almost anything. and still produce 12 volts. Oh, really? I didn't know that. USB adapters all have that. It doesn't matter what you plug them into, they'll work.
1: Well, yeah, I I get that with USB. I didn't know it was kind of broadly applicable.
0: Well, the laptop batteries are that way too. Yeah. They put out 18 volts, whether you put in 110 or 220 or whatever it is. Mm Mm-hmm. And in fact, I've got a USB adapter that has the voltage of the USB adapter and the amount of amperage that is being put out. And when that thing is not there, it's actually a voltmeter for the, the, the power circuit. All I have to do is just multiply it up. That's the yeah. you, you know, the, the house voltage going up and down and up and down. Changes are about once a
2: second. <laughs>
0: But as you see, I'm an engineer, and that's the way that I'm thinking and looking at stuff all the time. But meanwhile, it's also back to the here now. is to start paying attention because if you let things go on automatic pilot, you're cruising for a bruising. Yep. Or you're going to be woken up with uh, a jolt of electricity or a shock or uh, cut yourself with a knife or all kinds of possibilities because they're not the thing they think they're doing. But here we're going to be going one step further instead of looking at what we're doing, we're going to be looking at the hands as they're doing to experience it as if. And in fact, this is a good example of what we're talking about is, is that, how about the seasoned electrician doing a session or two blindfolded? So that he goes back into the hands because he knows what all of that is. He doesn't need his eyes anymore.
2: Yeah.
0: And in fact, his eyes are not looking anyway because he's looking with his mind and his mind's eye rather than looking with his real eyes is what his real hands are doing anyway. That's why he got lost. But now, if he's blindfolded, now he's uh, uh, intentionally going to remember that this is his hands doing this all by themselves. They're to take you before mm-hmm. so A skilled surgeon can do anything he needs to do after he's blind. Piano players, that's a really good example. How could someone be blind and learn to play the piano? Well, they feel their way around. That's exactly what we're talking about in this in the Satipatthana sutra, Begin to feel your way around life. Begin to pay attention to what your, the sensations of the body are all about. So this is what we would say in classically the uh, the, the body, but also in the sense of the Satipatthana, this is the application of a way to operate with the body. So uh, that also goes to eating food, but you really begin to pay attention to what we're doing because the food itself is nourishing and it's life-giving and we either take pleasure or displeasure in the taste of it. So begin to pay close attention to the taste of the food as well as the manipulation of what the tongue is doing and where the teeth are that you like to use the most so that you can crunch into something. Figure out which are your favorite teeth and which ones you ignore and all of this kind of stuff and really pay attention to what's going on inside the mouth. Now, there's some groups that will say, oh, you're supposed to chew your food 30 or 40 times. And the answer to that is no. Why Why bother to even count? Nobody can even count to 30. <laughs> but that's not the point. The point is to pay attention to what we're doing inside the mouth. This is also... Counting
1: is just a way to pay less attention to what's going on, (laughs) really. Pardon? I said counting is just a way to pay a little less attention to what's actually happening. Exactly,
0: exactly. Uh, But the whole idea is, is to chew the food thoroughly because the more work that the chewing does, then the easier it is on the gut.
1: Yeah.
0: That's that's uh, uh, part of the, the point of uh, chewing things really well. which we also gets with the idea of beginning to slow down, that when we're paying attention to our hands, then we uh, are much more in the here now, much more slow. We begin to, to slow down intentionally You know, not all day long, but whenever you remember it, remember to come into the here now with the hands and to be here with the hands in the hands. It's quite marvelous. The touch. Right now it's the touch of the dog. This is lucky. Mm. So. um, We can. Work with the hands, you can work with the and when I say work, I'm talking about really play, to really be playful with this, to begin to enjoy being alive. That knowing that you're not yes, that's right. To begin
1: to experience. there's so much going on.
0: Yeah, there there's is so much. It's so much going on with the hands. And that's and all so
1: brand much. new. <laughs> Every split second. Uh It's just a new feeling going
0: on. Right, so beginning to pay attention to that in the here now because there's so much going on with the senses. The body is just magnificent. That the number of neurons on the fingers outnumber the neurons of sight. It's just the sight is directly wired, right? But if you get really, really sensitive, that's why people can do such magnificent little things like uh, artwork is because they've learned to control that fine motor movement. Whether it's goldsmithing or uh, painting or doing it on the violin.
1: Maybe that'd be a good idea. Maybe get into drawing or painting or something and really.
0: Oh, Zen in the art. Uh, Yes, I know (coughs) all about it. Certainly. Yes. The Sun culture is actually the Japanese, but they have that kind of artwork also in Thailand and in India. Sacred art. Why? Because the mind is sacred when it's doing the art. Certain.
2: Paying. And attention. even
1: if you think about, you know, art that people consider sacred in other parts of the world the people who were doing it probably were paying a lot of attention because of the meaning they were attributing to the piece they were making.
0: Precisely so, that the artist is most happy when he's got the brush and the ink and the canvas right there. There it is. And he's in it, goes right in. So becoming immersed in into uh, the object um, is is quite joyful, but it's even more so when you know what you're doing, that mm-hmm. you're not of it, that you're awake to this process. And so we can practice being awake by practicing paying attention to our fingers, paying attention to our hands, paying attention to the movements of the body in general, especially the arms, and how we use our arms. How much do you think?
1: Um the addition of wholesome thoughts is necessary in something like this, because I notice when I'm really just with the sensations themselves, like right when it's happening, just like the split seconds, all this is going on, it feels like, I don't know, things are amazing enough. Do I need to be adding these Layers on, yeah. or is this uh... the
0: feeling and the uh, the niggle or the inclination that this is marvelous enough? That's the kind of thought that we're talking about. That's yeah, yeah, that isn't. I mean, not only it, you don't have to pile onto that because anything that you pile onto that would be um, taking the time to pile it on rather than. Can remembering to take the time to actually experience it.
1: Yeah, that's kind of what I'm getting at is to me, it's like rather than some like active linguistic thought of this is awesome, it might be the recognition maybe a little bit less uh,
0: exactly in an
2: so.
1: explicit way. The recognition is there, but you're so with the sensations that, to me, it feels like it's not always necessary to add some verbal thought to it. It seems almost counterproductive.
0: Sometimes. Congratulations. I mean, you're beginning to understand how the mind works and that the only problem is the definitions of the words. hmm Okay, that's what we need to look at. That um, uh, many people use the word "thought" and automatically assume that it means discursive thought,
1: which is like the what I said when I said like linguistic. Is that what Lingu- discursive right? Means?
0: Verbal, verbal, verbal. yeah, is the word that is used in, in the Pali, the verbal, okay. or the verbal. Um, dialogue that we would be in when we were daydreaming. But now that you're not daydreaming and you're actually experiencing the touch of the fingers themselves, while we're doing that, we're in the here now, and we're in a different kind of thought, and that thought is in the senses. You see, there's six senses. One of them is find, and that's where we spend so much time. And then we have the eyes and the ears and the touch, and here we're actually beginning to experience touch in a way that we haven't since we were really, really little kids. But little children really don't like their bodies very much because they can't walk like an adult and they fall down and they get hurt and they bump themselves and they don't have the muscle coordination and all of that kind of stuff that begins to help build up the attitude that we're a victim. But even though we gain motor skills later, we we still are no longer paying attention to the body itself as a marvelous piece of machinery that it's become. We still kind of remember it as the piece of junk that it started out as. Mm-hmm. And so now the Satipatthana practice is actually coming back to the reality of the situation is this, this is a marvelous machine This is an unbelievably beautiful machine that's here, never mind its quirks or its problems. The fact that it's even here, that this thing called life is so marvelous.
1: Yeah, not even just the body, but
0: experience itself. To To be able to experience the body. You're not just a dead log out there in the woods. This -hmm. body is a living thing. And paying attention to being alive and being grateful for being alive. Never mind who we're grateful to. We don't know that. It's just gratitude raw. Yeah. <laughs> just unbelievable. Wow, this is so nice. What a marvelous gift this life is.
1: And here I've we been all... thinking like that a lot
0: lately. <laughs> uh-huh. All right. So beginning to think like that while we're actually experiencing... But then it's not a thought so much as it is a mind moment of appreciation. Yeah. And so we have a mind moment of touch and a mind moment of appreciation, and there's not much to say about it anymore.
1: Yeah, that's kind of what I when I use the language, like the recognition of this. It's
0: kind of what I was meaning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's take it another step. And that is about the body in the sense of the movements and the intentions of the movements of the body. And so we can do this in the sense of when we grasp and reach, when I'm doing that, there's technique to do it. And that is to open the hands, kind of like uh, Dracula. As Dracula, you know, in the old movies, when he's approaching the sweet young thing in the bed, he does his hands very slowly like that. Okay, so this is the whole quality that we're looking for, is to be there, very aware of what your hand is doing as we pick up something. So that the next point is, is that what's the very first thing that touches that object? Is it my thumb? Is it a little pinky finger? How do I grasp it? And then we are experiencing the holding of it in the sense that we can actually experience each of the five fingers as they're each taking a position on that object. And so we know how we're holding it rather than holding it absent mindedly any old way will do. It's sort of like we know how we're holding a hammer. But yeah. then after we have held that hammer so many times we've gotten used to it and so we do it absent-mindedly and the next thing you know we've hit our thumb instead of the wrong nail (laughs) 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 and so coming back into the present moment of exactly how it feels to hold things to touch things this is um the way of of doing it uh and The answer to that is, you don't have to do that all the time. Just do it when you remember it, because you really like doing it. Yeah. So sitting here, I do it often, simply because it feels so good just to slide the fingers together. They know each other very well. And so going on with it, now let's look at things like um, movement of the body. And the example that I'll use would be twofold. One would be uh, sitting up or sitting down or standing up out of a chair. And the other one would be opening a door. Not every door you're open and not every chair you sit up and down in. But when you remember to do it, you can begin to get good at it. And so here's the thing about getting up out of a chair. Instead of getting up out of the chair like we normally do, getting up walking because we almost always are getting up to go. And so we move from the sitting posture into the walking posture. And so what we're going to actually do is interrupt that by putting standing posture momentarily in there for one or two seconds while we question ourselves, where am I going and why? What is it that I want so bad that I'm willing to get up? out of my comfortable, wonderful, marvelous chair and go get. Is it worth getting up right now? Okay, so this is basically what we're beginning to practice is looking at our motivations and our intentions that are often in the mind, but we're ignorant in the sense that we weren't really thinking about it. We just started to go. So we're going to interrupt that with... Why am I getting up? What is it that I want and desire enough that I'm going to give myself the dukkha enough to get up? So many students have come back a week later and says, you know, I was trying that and I don't wake up until I'm down 10 steps. Then I'll go. And then I'll get about halfway where I was going. And then I'll remember, oh, I was going to stand up. And so the answer to that is that's the time to stop and do it then. And so you can start figuring out how uh, your mindfulness is, is to how many steps that you've taken before you remember to stop and stand still. Mm, I like that. A little metric. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. So can you actually stop on the way? And is, and in fact, can you stop when you get up? The first thing that you do is stand in a standing posture rather than already in a moving posture. And stop.
2: And then you check out
0: what is it that's so important. I hear stories forward.
1: of a bunch of people, they'll just stand up and they're like, what do I need to get up for? And you're like, oh, you know, let's just go know. sit back down.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly so. Okay. So now the next one would be opening a door. Mm-hmm. Now there's a lot of doorways we just pass through. Absentmindedly, we're not paying much attention to that in this particular practice. What we're all, uh, what we are looking at, is the time and effort that it takes to actually open a door. Why? What exactly am I going to do when I pass through this door? Why am I bothering to take the effort to get up to this door and now open it? And often is to say, because I've got to go to the toilet <laughs> and it's the bathroom door, you know, but at least we're going to do that stopping to check out what are we doing right now? What's our motivations? What's what we got on our mind? And often we have to get, when we stand up to go someplace, they're the same thing, especially like getting out of the car.
2: So, while you're frozen, I don't know whether to keep talking or not. (laughs)
0: Um. Well, Brandon, you've been missing for quite a number of seconds now. So I think that we'll go ahead and end the recording. And maybe you'll come back in later. So anybody who's watching this,
2: Oh, he's back. He is back. Ah, he's back. Okay. I want my money back. I started paying
1: (laughs) so much attention to how things were feeling that I stopped paying attention to the fact that I had seen that my battery was at 10% a while back. (laughs) And my phone died.
0: (laughs) Yes, I waited you out. If I stay online, sometimes you can call back in and I can reconnect you to the call without losing the recording. Oh, great. Awesome. So, uh, still says that it's recording, I think.
1: Yeah, Um, it's it's recording. It recorded right as I called. Though, so, or right as I joined. So I'm assuming it went through.
0: Right. So anyway, we were talking about just getting out of the car. That's the oh. point in time of where am I going? What am I doing? I stand up. I open the door or I open the door to the car first and then stand up. And while the door is still open, I say, what's this all about? This is a moment to stop. To take a deep breath, to be happy. Then we close that car door and go wherever. So this is the kind of practice that we're going to develop. Now the next one on the uh, on the list is coming to sit down in a chair. What we normally call is taking the load off. right. Well, we're really going to take a load off. We're going to make sure that when you sit down in the chair that you remember by turning around and standing and saying, I'm really going to enjoy this sitting down. And then we sit down with,
2: "Ah."
0: oh, it feels so nice to take a load off both the feet and the mind. So you can begin to feel just for a moment the, the chair. Thank you chair for holding me up. You didn't fall apart this time. And so you begin to be holding gratitude for the chair and the feeling of the chair. The chair is still nice, thank you. Feel comfortable and relaxed. And so this is the way that we become and sit down to really, really sit down and really pay attention to the fact that this is nice,
2: this is great.
0: Everyone takes that time. I mean, just how much trouble it is, you can see people were using public transportation and they're standing for the bus and they're working and all of that. And then the bus comes and they hop on the bus. But as soon as they sit down in the seat, it's like, uh, There's also the idea that you see it with kids, but you see it in airplanes and all kinds of places with other people, uh, restaurants and all of that, is that they'll fight over who's going to sit here up until the point that somebody is actually sitting down. And whoever gets to sit on that chair has won that chair. Have you ever seen that little um, ritual played out with people? That they'll rush to the chair, but if I want that chair, I'm going to let you have it if you just get there as before I do.
1: Yeah, or something really common in my family growing up was the saying, move your feet, lose your seat. Because <laughs> once you're out of the chair,
0: once it's you're out, anybody's anybody. game. <laughs> exactly, again, okay. So that's the way that the chair is. The chair is empty. Until you sit down in it. So. That means it that you're you're home free. You're safe. You're secure. Everything is all right. Everything is fine. And so we can actually take that moment to reassure ourselves with that. Thought process that we're talking about, the didactic and and remember that. And then. We take the next moment to really enjoy being in the chair without having to think about it, but just be there, experience the various parts of the chair. On the legs and on the butt and on the back. The way that that chair feels. With a point of gratitude. Wow, I'm glad that I'm sitting here. I could have been standing in line instead. Okay, so these are ways to learn a new way of spending mind moments of the day is the touch of the item with the hands, the getting up out of a chair, opening doors, sitting down. These are all big junctures. You don't do it a lot during the day. You're not up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. You're probably, what, 10, 20 times a day is all you do. Sometimes, maybe not. Maybe sometimes only five or six times do you get up and sit down. But that's six or seven times opportunities to practice.
1: I like this a lot.
0: It sounds like fun. <laughs> yeah, it is. Make it fun. It's a toy to play with. So you can see how the various parts of it. What's it like to chew the food? What's it like to feel the hands? What's it like to feel sitting in the chair? What's it like to to stand up to go someplace? All of this kind of stuff is now beginning to take charge of our lives. But we do it easy. Little path. Not hard. Not fussing ourselves when we're not doing it. But rather when we are doing it, really like it.
2: Which is motivation enough to continue to remember to do it.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's a see, lot I, of fun, too. See, feeling been the hands. Doing just,
2: just, yeah, <laughs> feeling fields.
0: the hands, feeling the hands. <laughs> but I can see that it's a very soft beard. You spend a lot of time softening it up.
1: Uh, I I don't spend too much time softening it.
0: <laughs> you just. I, guess spent, I just there like it. there. You, there it is. There you go. That's softening it up.
1: Oh, that's softening it up. <laughs> I guess a little bit of the hand oils gets to the beard maybe it does
0: Soft and the stroking and yeah. the stroking if you keep stroking your mind the way that you're stroking your beard your mind will become as soft as your beard and look how much <laughs> pleasure you get by stroking the beard so stroking yourself This is what we mean by Anupanisati or that remembering to pamper yourself, remember to nourish yourself, remember to appreciate how nice things are right now.
2: Just feels like there's so much going on right now.
1: (laughs) Sitting here really paying attention to all this
0: i mean isn't it marvelous that we're just here just to watch the show what a magnificent show it is
1: it is a great show
0: (laughs) okay brandon well let's finish now and that you just continue to experience
1: Sounds good to me. Uh, right. I really enjoyed the call.
0: Hey, I did too. This is a lot of fun. Talking yeah. about reality, talking about having fun with it. Yeah. Right here, right now. Okay. We'll see ya.
1: And uh, since I'm holding the phone, I'll do what you showed me before. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Bye bye.
2: See ya.